Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Why don't we eat? Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Anyone fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Hey, that seems good. 12.03 on a beautiful, beautiful spring day. It is the afternoon here on 3 FM, and you've decided to join us and you know what? We feel so good about that. And I feel especially good because Matt Steadman's ridden his bike all the way over here uh, to join us as well on the uh, the hour. G'day, Matt. G'day, Cam. It's not far. I live in South Melbourne, South Melbourne of Brunswick. It's only 10K. But I did have to weave through. Yeah. I had to walk my bike through the marathon. The marathon people. So I rode about, you know, 10K, which is uh, hardly even a jot when you think that these folks are running 42 mm. 40- 2k some of them whoa and uh yes and uh our thoughts go out to all the people that are putting one foot in front of the other one foot keep in going. front of the other just keep going keep going should get that endorphin rush any second now where is it where is it oh it's the wall um but uh sebastian rayborn who uh listeners long time listeners of this show would have heard us speak many times about uh booze and gin and things like that. He's out there and doing it, and apparently there's even an app and you can watch how your favourite person is going. Isn't that an interesting thing of the times we live in? I wonder how long it'll take him, or maybe he's finished. Anyway, well done, runners. Science is a good thing. Science is great. I was just listening, uh, and thank you to the scientists. I was very much enjoying the segment they had earlier in the hour around smoking and e-cigarettes. I was surprised to learn... Oh, really? I didn't hear that. Surprised to learn that globally uh, there are more smokers now than there were 10 years ago. You would think, you know, it's receding as, a, as an industry, but no. Uh, so if you want well, to... Well, I think Philip Morris is putting on very much a betting on the, um, on the case that if we can get more people vaping, they're going to... Yeah. Transition, or we uh, we've captured them anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, if you if you miss that, you can listen back on uh, radio on demand via the website. Which leads me to think, Cameron, it'd be a very good thing yes. for you to also subscribe to Triple R if you haven't done it, because it enables things like radio on demand to happen. It does. Yeah, uh, it's the last week of Radiothon. Because uh, we have a volunteer that actually uh, not only... Well, the Radio On Demand is wonderful because it's yes. an automated process. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we also have um, um, people here that uh, do the podcast for us. So yes. that, you know, when you do a search for Eat It On 
iTunes, for yep. instance. You can listen to all of our shows. Uh, meanderings. You could be listening to that Gust right now. tutorial meanderings <laughs> that we do here. Um, and the Radiothon finishes this week, so uh, it's 85 bucks, as you know, for a full subscription. Jump on the website and subscribe if you mm. haven't already. I haven't yet. I said that last week. I'm still You still haven't. I know. <laughs> wow. I'll be there at 4.48pm on Wednesday. You're too busy with your little fur babies. Yeah, it's true. New cats. It's new cats. Matt, yeah. Matt has two new Siamese cats that uh, are taking up all that time and <laughs> the love yeah. and the claws. Hey, um, and the and the and the and the hissing and the scratching and the biting and the. They sort of got over the hissing, which is nice. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, that's just these needle sharp teeth. Yeah, I know what you're saying. What's on the show? Yeah, what's yeah, on that's today's show? Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going. Well. Um, working backwards, we're going to be um, having a chat to um, Duncan Glass Half Full Buchanan uh, in the fact that uh, Duncan is our wine scribe for many, many years, ex-plonker. Um, he grows wine. He, 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 he makes um, all mm. sorts of delicious things. Yes. And uh, don't tell him I said this, but even his Rieslings um, um, are delightful. Um, and it's a funny old thing in the fact that spring comes mm-hmm. and you look at the vines and, and bud burst is a, is kind of a, it's a, it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Really? The, the vines, they just sleep over winter. They sleep over winter and then all of a sudden they just. And then a couple of leaves happen. Shoots and then, but then they shoot out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so. You start the year off with great optimism, although you have to be aware of all the all the features around us, you know, such as we're going into our third year of a La Nina event. Yes. Um, and there's all sorts of critters that want to eat the, the shoots. Like apparently Duncan was, I don't want to steal his thunder too much, mm. but snails and uh, new grapevine shoots. They like it. They, well, get out yeah, of their they snails. Get, yeah, they love it, but uh, <laughs> it's the humans that aren't too happy about it. So anyway, we're going to talk to him about um, uh, wine around the world and uh, a little bit. And mm-hmm. then uh, before we do that, um, we have Waiting in the Green Room, uh, which actually is interesting in this radio station because there are tones of green in yes. the green room. Uh, Ella Mitas, and I hope I'm pronouncing her um, surname right, um, An expat, someone who uh, has left the country to uh, go and be inspired by the civilizations of um, of of her ancestry, I Mm -hmm. suppose, uh, working in Greece and Turkey, and um, and she's produced Mm -hmm. a rather delightful cookbook, uh, Ella Ella. Is uh, is what it's called and again. My pronunciation yes, is. We right. might get that corrected. We'll get that fact checked for you when Thank she's you. in front of the microphone, just yes. to make sure we're saying that right. Thank you very much. And we were both of us were looking through there, going, "Well, we should probably think about a dish to talk about." But mm. which one do you pick? Because they all look so amazing. <laughs> and interspersed with that is uh, the tale of her as an Australian um, expat. Um, how do you interact and inter, interlock with the old world, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, would be an interesting way to sort of put it. So um, we'll talk about those journeys. Yes. Um, and 
um, the profound pleasures that she's found in the land of her ancestry. So mm-hmm. we're going to do that. But in the meantime, we say it is 12.09. We've acknowledged the fact that it's a beautiful spring day. Um, it would be just a beautiful – if you're not running around, you know. <laughs> counting your, counting your kilometres. Counting your kilometres and, yes, as you say, I hope for you breaking through the endorphin wall. Uh, it'd be a great day just to be sitting on a blanket somewhere. Oh, I would agree. Um, and having a couple and of special – Enjoy little, that sun. Enjoy the sunshine. Hey, i got a couple of quick uh, uh, news tidbits to what? share before we look back on the week that was on your plate. Yeah. Uh, first up, we want to say big ups to Anthony Douglas from Axel Coffee Roasters, who this week took out. Oh, this, yes. The, uh, this the, was the guy that won the the regional finals mm-hmm. that we didn't get to get on the show. No, we had yeah. Justin Metcalf talking about. Yes, and then in the in the last week, he's won the world, the biggest prize there is, the World Barista Championships. Which were held held in Melbourne. Um, Jeff Shed. Jeff Shed. Yeah, yeah. So big ups to Anthony from Axel Coffee Roasters. Also, it was interesting seeing a lot of the international entrants just coming to Melbourne and again saying all very nice things about the coffee culture. In what the do city. they say? What do they Jeez, say? We're inward looking, aren't we? What, what do they do? They say nice things. But uh, uh, no, very much cementing Melbourne's places. Did they, uh, did they say nice things? They're they complimentary. I'm not going to scroll through. They say we had nice coffee. We obsess a bit too much over our coffee here. I well, co- it was or, or the, sort of. Maybe that's not the right way of putting it, but you know, you can get good coffee elsewhere too. But well, it was a nice way to get over the uh, the Australian cultural cringe. Yes, you know, in finding out, it's like. Oh yeah, we may be Philistines in a lot of ways, and you know, <laughs> we, you know, no, yeah, but we make good coffee. Yeah, you know, and don't forget, in 1993, we forced McDonald's to open up the first McCafe. McCafe, which because- has since been demolished. It was the Swanson Street store. We don't often touch on McDonald's really? history on this program. I don't know. Why. No, we don't. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, well, we, we, we've good reason. Second uh, news tidbit. What from your old friend Steadman? Uh, My old the, Vic- the Victorian Dining and Entertainment Program is actually back. This is this started out as Melbourne Money last Money year. Money for meals. Melbourne Money was run by the uh, by the council, I think, City of yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, Sally um, Caps did and, that, and then Sally Cap probably got on the phone to Dan Andrews and said, "Hey." This is a good idea. Come um, on. And then they did it all, I think, earlier this year or something. Dig deeper. But uh, Dan Andrews again and state government is um, going to buy some of your meals. So, how, do you, how do we get this money, Matt? Uh, what you do is you go to the Victorian Dining and Entertainment Program website. Not a terribly catchy Hang name. Hang about it. Say that again. Victorian, Victorian Dining, Dining and, and, and Entertainment, Entertainment Program. Right. I know. But what this means is you can get uh, catchy. 25% of your restaurant bill paid by the state government up to a cap of $125. And you can have multiple claims to get up to that cap. Oh, so you can't just keep ordering bottles of Krug and... No. And, you know, Montrachets. There and, are parameters, but it's it's, it's pretty good. And check. Mount Mary's and... yeah. It, anyway, it's sorry. also uh, applicable. You don't have to go for a meal out if you don't want to. You can go to, a, like, an entertainment venue or a museum or something. Um, but, you know, it's rare for the government just so to foot some of your bills. So cultural sure. experiences yes. as well. Yes. Okay. So uh, check it out. I so think it doesn't that doesn't count if you're putting betting on horses or things like God, that. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. Just being facetious. Uh, but no, it's good. Check it out if you haven't seen it already. You can get uh, up to one hundred twenty-five dollars off your next few meals. Yeah. Okay. Um, and just to uh, wind up before we uh, get to Ella in a few mm. minutes, um, I thought maybe just very quickly you might do. Uh, what's, what's that in your mouth? mouth? 
That was What's That In Your Mouth, brought to you by McDonald's. <laughs> Only joking, 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 joking. We don't do that on the 3 As someone who's just about to, you know, donate to the station, when hey, hold the phone. I'm going to hang up this website now. Yeah. Um, I've been cooking sort of peasant food um, this week, mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting in that uh, uh, one of the things I've been cooking corresponds very much with what Ella was doing yes. in the, that I did sort of what I thought was sort of a me moroccan style chicken and rice with almonds. Yeah, a pilaf. Yes, a pilaf looked great on the inside. And you were you? Were, yeah, well, it looks kind of brown. I wasn't all that. <laughs> I was sort of going. Yeah, it's brown food. You know, it's sort of okay. I put like the lemon in there to uh, lift it up a little bit. But <gasps> boy, oh boy, cinnamon and chicken with lemon underneath. And the pilaf, baking can, can it all you, soft and yummy. Can you briefly describe a pilaf for those who aren't familiar? What What is a pilaf? Think of the risotto that you do not stir. That's sort of what a pilaf is. Yes. And also you're using different rice. A lot of the time, Longer uh, pilafs will use basmati rice because yes. they're very fluffy and they stand yes. apart rather than the whole gig of... Um, uh, cannoli rice and uh, what's the other? Oh, the other um, Arborio rice. Yes. Um, their whole gig is they suck up liquids. Mm-hmm. You know that's what I. What are you here for? I'm here to <laughs> suck up the stock, man. You know that's what I do. It's my 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 meaning. I don't know why this rice is suddenly turned in from, from New the, Jersey, from the, or the Bronx. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm right. I'm from the Bronx. Okay, don't mess with me. Um, but a pilaf is. Um, Pretty much where you are putting in in flavour, and in this case, good chicken stock. Um, But, oh, my Lord, it's such soothing food. Mm. It really, really is. I mean, you talk about comforting food. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very nice. And then the other thing that I did, um, which I fancily termed uh, pasta al forno. Yes. uh, Which um, literally translates is... Pasta to the oven. It's like a command. <laughs> Go! <laughs> Cook yourself. Um, uh, Jess Ho was going, yeah, it's just a pasta bake. <laughs> we know this. <laughs> Thank you, is, Jess. Which is true. Thank you, Jess. It's just a pasta bake. Yeah, mate. But Thank it looks you good. For, the, for the help and, you know, the encouragement. Um, but, boy, that was good, too, in the fact that um, you get leftovers. Yep. Yeah, good. Um, not quite as good the next day. It's better, you know, when it's just come out of the oven, I'm going to admit. But there's something about the, the pasta in the, in the fact that, uh, I know vegetarians aren't going to like this, but um, I split a few pork sausages, pork and fennel mm-hmm. sausages. Mm-hmm. Love that combination. Yes. Um, and uh, that was sort of the meat base. So instead of using like a, a mince or just doing it. Doing your uh, own sort you, of. You can just do a great bake just using some passata, you know, yes. and, and a tin of tin or two of tomatoes. Yes. Uh, but you just let it all happen and you put lots of cheese on top and some breadcrumbs. And if you want to check it out, it's on my Instagram. This reminded me, Cam, of a Which meal. is Cam Smith Eat It. Cam Smith Eat It. Yeah, just, I'm just saying. Reminded me of a meal I've, I used to do a lot midweek but haven't done in a while. What? Sausage, if, you're, if you're a meat eater, sausage is actually a really good way to get very easy flavour into um, something and cook quite quickly. Especially pork and fennel sausages. Pork and fennel sausages. What so, are your favourite sausages? One of my, I, I do go pork and fennel. I like mm. it. Um, and so one of my favourite meals, midweek, 
is you just get some pork and fennel sausages, cut them into little bite-sized chunks, mm. get them in the frying pan. Mm. Then once they brown what off a little bit... What music is playing, man? Oh, uh, whatever you would like. Okay. Whatever your favourite Spotify jam is, I thought maybe you might be listening to a bit of, you know, Atonal Frank Zappa <laughs> that you love so much. <laughs> in, a, in a weird time signature. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So your 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 you, um sausages are in the in the frying pan, they're browning sizzle, off, sizzle, and then you sizzle. dice yeah. up a red capsicum and just chuck it in. Vitamin C. So and good. then uh, to that you would also then add, once that sort of softened a little bit, just a tin of tomatoes and a tin of no candle. white wine to deglaze the oh, pan. Oh, well, you could. You could. Why would you but waste I'm, it? I'm cooking. Why quickly. would you waste it? I'm drinking it. Yeah. So once you've got your capsicums and your sausages in the pan, then you yeah, just yeah, tip yeah. in a tin of tomatoes and a tin of cannellini beans. Just let it sort of simmer for a bit. So you've strained the... those beans, haven't you? Yes. You're not doing that liquid in there? No. Just saying, just so people might know, in case they, you do that, you otherwise you might get a bit disappointed. And you just get, you just let it cook down a little bit, because obviously a straight tin of tomatoes can be quite a liquidy, so you just, you just mm. reduce some of that liquid and then um, finish it off with a bit of chopped parsley, and it's really yummy. You know, that, that does sound absolutely yum, yum, mm. scrum. Um, chopped parsley, yeah, you've done all that. A real interesting discovery, and we're going to mm. move on and get our Ella in very, very shortly. Mm. Um, in that, if you like um, uh, things that you know have the, the the egg white froth on top, like cocktails, yes, whiskey sour, yes, um, margaritas. Can't think of another one. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but the 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 you use the liquid from um, from beans. Oh, from the beans, and, tins, it, and yes. it, it froths up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and you can have a vegan. Uh, Vegan cocktail. Yeah. Nice. Um, we, uh, oh, I need to Yeah, you need set to get your up. thing set up. Yeah. I do. Have Stand you got by. the plug? We haven't tested this. No, we have not. Can you, uh, yeah, oh, there it is. there. Have you got the plug? Yeah, I will. This, um, is, this is live radio happening as we speak. This is live radio and um, we should have organised this a little bit better. <laughs> I should have, really. Um, in the fact that to set this up, um, Ella was talking about uh, living in Istanbul. Yes. It was one of the first places she moved to when yes. uh, she first moved there. And, I, and there was this wonderful, beautiful evocation that she gave and the fact that I'd love to go to Istanbul because just the whole notion of how uh, the, the Bosphorus River that straddles continents is, is quite an amazing thing. And on one side is Asia and the other side is, is Europe. And Ella says in her book that what she tried to do was to time the ferry ride just right and play Brian Eno. And uh, just to set the scene, we're doing that. So this is Brian Eno, big ship. And uh, once this is over, we'll have Ella to tell us what that was actually like. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. That was a little bit of uh, a Bronino, which I haven't heard for a while. So, mm-hmm. uh, so the first thing I need to do with our guest, ladies and gentlemen, is thank and say thank you so much for bringing a little bit of Eno into our lives. Uh, Ella Mitas? Yeah, that's right. Hey, hey, I got something right. Wow. Uh, welcome to 3 RFM. Thank you for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. Congratulations on this book. Um, who published this book? It's self-published. Hey, that's why yeah. it looks so... 
Different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it looks great. So it is, um, how do we pronounce the, uh, the, the beginning of it? Ella, Ella. Easy, easy. Okay, but one is in the, uh, uh, the language and phonetics, I suppose, of the, of the Greek language. Yeah, exactly. And it shows a person who has made uh, an odyssey, if we like. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah, come on, yeah. of, of uh, sorts. Use the O word. Um, that you 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 have you come from a Greek background, mm-hmm. and, um, and and this was what was the motivation of you of you going away? I think um, I was very interested in Greek food. I was interested mm. in getting closer to Greek culture and learning more about my heritage. Um, and Turkey was on the way to Greece. So it took me a really long time to get my Greek citizenship. Um, uh, <laughs> um, well, it was, it, it took me a long time. It took me a lot of paperwork and a lot of waiting before I found out that I'd been a citizen for my whole life. And when I was christened, um, the priest had sent off all my papers to Greece and I had always been a citizen and just took such a long Good time. priest! <laughs> yeah, but... Um, what have priests ever done for us? <laughs> wow, that's a great example, yes. But, yeah, but while I was waiting for my citizenship, I went to Turkey because it's, it's quite easy to get a work and holiday visa in Turkey for ah, Australians. Oh, yes. Um, and I'd worked for a Turkish chef here and I just was kind of taken aback by how similar Greek and Turkish food was. And how much so of, bloody different they are. Oh, yeah. and But he's, uh, I guess... Um, he's same bones, of, but different skin. His ethos was the same um, yes. to cooking. And Who the, was the chef that you were uh, Ismail Toussaint that used to own Gigi Baba. Okay, um, yeah. He, I just loved his food so much. Uh, yeah. So I, I initially went to Turkey and I was going to stage for a couple of weeks in a restaurant there. And I got there and they what offered... Is, what does stage mean for people that don't know? A stage is where you volunteer in a kitchen. You and work they, for nothing. You work for free. Yeah. And um, I mean, it sometimes works out that you learn very little, but sometimes you'll get a really good opportunity and they'll teach you quite a lot. Mm. Um, but I got there and they offered me a job almost immediately. Um, and I just I just relocated. <laughs> But how this was one of the things that comes out of these these four main chapters in the book, and mm-hmm. and I got to say the writing's great. Thank you. Really evocative, and you made me you made me laugh on more than one occasion, and and also the eyebrows came up too. In that, um, and the it's it's kind of brutally honest in that you thought, look, my whole thing of coming here, maybe there's a sense of entitlement coming over here, and that. You will just show me all the secrets, you know, mm. open sesame. Yeah, there I, was a, there was no in in Istanbul. The the doors were pretty much left ajar, weren't they? They weren't thrown open for you, and that was a bit of a frustration uh, with Istanbul. Yeah, I think I've had a lot of time to reflect on it as well because I was there when I was quite young. So I think um, I think there's always an aspect. How old were you of, when you went there? Oh, I think it was like about seven or eight years ago now. So yes. So um, so teens still. <laughs> Pardon. Still in teens. Uh, no, early twenties. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think like I think working in kitchens, there's a certain amount of people withhold quite a lot anyway. Some um, do and some don't. I think it's. I think it depends. You can get a really great kitchen and people can be um, really, really open. You know, yeah. like I remember working uh, in a place and someone wanted to sell me a sell me a recipe for banana bread. And I remember coming. What? Mm. Yeah. You want to sell that to me? And they go, yeah. Well, you know, you haven't worked for it. 
And then, anyway, we worked out, me and the sous chef worked out what it was. <laughs> but, but anyway, in your case in Istanbul. In, in my case in Istanbul, it it was more than just people withholding knowledge. It was mm. There was also a certain amount of animosity towards me that I couldn't quite figure out. Um and I would be, yeah. Now when I look that, back, that's the maybe the naive naivete yeah. of views, like when you were banging on about how great Melbourne is, and some guy comes yeah. out and says, "Yeah, I was trying to immigrate there, and they wouldn't let me in." Yeah, I think I also I was living there at the time when there was that um, political coup, or there was that coup that was staged. Erdogan yeah. uh, set the tanks on the Bosphorus on the bridge. That was all the tanks on the bridges, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I think um, so. I was trying desperately to live in Turkey while mm. all of um, everyone that I knew in Turkey that had any type of higher education was trying to flee, and I think it was just so ironic that I um, was so desperate to stay there. Yeah, for knowledge that didn't really belong to me. Um, yeah, I think I it was it was a very stark contrast yeah. with me getting. I, I would get really upset about the bureaucracy and how hard it was me, for me to get residency, and everyone around me was just like, "All we want to do is live in Australia." <laughs> but you were getting into. But you were also. Dare I say it? The, um, maybe we talk about the arrogance of youth. And when you, if mm. you start telling a chef how to caramelise these onions, mm. the, you had an interesting story about about that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think also um, different. Uh, yeah, like different different. I think I came from very Western cooking, very French style cooking, and mm-hmm. then went over there and was like, I know the best way. It's French. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. I thought I no, did. Just, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but, uh, but you know, uh, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom, yeah, right? You know, totally. that's, that's that's what we say. And if you start, you're in you're in the middle of Istanbul, and you start cooking creme brulees for the, and they're going, yeah, whatever. We don't like it. Yeah, what are you doing that for? Also, just also ironic because I'd gone there to learn about their food yes, culture. Yes, <laughs> but I thought the Western way, the French way, was. It much better, and I think that that's yeah. There's, it's not just arrogance; it's also like Western. It's also, mm. it's also a bit racist. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, horses for courses. You know, yeah. um, uh, a, a creme brulee is uh, is a brilliant thing in a, in a lot of places, but um, uh, in other places, you have to respect what other things are. But it still, you manage to pick up. So much mm. from um, from the cuisine because mm. um, Matt and I were looking through this book and we were going, well, we should talk about a few of these dishes and like it was pretty much just about every one of them we wanted mm. to to mention. Yeah, um, and we will get to some of those dishes that you cook. It's twelve thirty here on Three Triple R. Maybe we might have a little break and then get back because I really want to hear about the other places that you cooked mm-hmm. at. And also, how on earth do you add orange juice and braise a leek? But we'll find out after this. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Ella Mitas has uh, self-published a wonderful book called Ella Ella and it's about her um, cultural travels through uh, through the Mediterranean, specifically through Turkey and Greece. And uh, you were saying one of the places where you felt most at home on the land, like this profound 
profound sort of mm-hmm. feeling of the land was living in Crete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think it was the first place I worked after being in Turkey. You and didn't I... have a stage with Stelvio? Uh, Stelios. Stelios. Um, I didn't have a stage mostly because they didn't understand the concept of it. Oh, um, really? But I, yeah. Well, they were they're tiny. It's a tiny um, restaurant in a village, and yes. when I say village, there's just one house and the restaurant. Um, and I got to Crete. I'd kind of gone to Crete on a whim, um, and when I got there, I heard about this restaurant. It's very famous in Crete. Mm. Uh, they've actually now turned it into it's kind of an inv- uh, an educational farm because they do everything there. So they. Um, they grow their own vegetables. They grow their own indigenous wheat to make bread. Um, mm. They have their own animals that they milk for cheese. Everything, everything. Um, so it's an all very traditional food. So I, I got kind of obsessed with it and I got someone to drive me out there and I just said, I'll work for free. I'm here. I'll, I'm here and I'll work for free and it was the middle I'm of summer. <laughs> yeah. And it was the middle of summer and it's they like, just were kind of like, okay. You sound like someone <laughs> had to say no to. Like, well, why would you say no? I was just like, oh. She's not getting in the car. I, I, I think she's going to be working with us. Yeah. And then oh. I, I ended up going back uh, like the next summer again. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I mean, there was a bit of bit lost in translation when I first got there because they were kind of like, why would you want to work for free? We don't understand you. you. <laughs> what, are you crazy? Yeah. But, um, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, they also Crete. Um, Crete's so beautiful because there's a lot of biodiversity with um, the wild herbs and wild weeds that they have, like more than the rest. What's of that called? Horta. Horta. Yeah. yeah. Um, so horta is the the weeds, the edible weeds that they mm. that are seasonal and regional that they and have that throughout same Greece. Same as the Italians, like the Italians, like the rapa de Chima. Mm. Different from that. Um, it's just a whole bunch of stuff. It's pretty much. So if if you can digest it, we're going to eat it, and we have because one of the great things about all that area is that they have been through famine, war, pestilence, and mm. have had to resort to trying just about everything, yeah? Yeah, exactly. I think um, in Greece, though, porta is like the blanket word for all edible weeds. Yep. So then you'll have you'll go to a restaurant and you'll order, order a plate of it, and it will be um, whatever is grown in that region for mm. that specific time period Mm. um which is the most fun thing about it because you can drive to the next village or the next town and it can be totally different different. yeah Yeah. um and it's always blanched and served cold just with heaps of olive oil lemon and garlic on it oh it's so good it's just like my favorite thing to eat um so but also in crete and at dunya's where i worked um they had a variety of different herbs that i'd never seen before Mm -hmm. um like quite medicinal herbs that are only grown in Crete and they really prided themselves on this, growing all of them. Would they be bitter herbs, all of these things? Um, not bitter all. herbs, not all. Some of them were like um, different forms of, not not myrtle, but um, like kind of like different thymes and like yes. wild thymes that are really spicy and just things that I'd never seen before. Um, yes. So it was, I think, yeah, they had a, a real connection to nature there. So real resinous sort of dryish resinous sort of herbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would make they would cook with them and make teas with them, but I think um having that connection to nature and I was in the garden with them quite a lot, which yeah, I think um that was why I was so connected to that place as well. Well this place that you're talking about I mean it was so slow the food you couldn't believe it. And that was yeah. one of the themes that came out and that mm. everybody just worked Pretty dang slow, but if you ordered a salad, Matt, 
Um, you'd have to wait for um, Ella would have to go racing into the garden and <laughs> dig up some cucumbers and get some leaves and then bring it back for each order. Is that sort of our? Yeah, I think it was it was part because it was slow, like the slowest food possible in that they wanted it to be as fresh as possible. But Any also slower, it'd be going in reverse. Oh, yeah, but yeah. also just like quite dysfunctional, like a bit chaotic and not that organised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of the Greek way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was like so romantic and beautiful but it did, did definitely drive me insane. <laughs> yes. But then, again, you, this is the thing that you, you had to learn in almost that you throw away your own preconceptions. Mm. You have to let go of those and mm. actually, and this would have been the profound thing that you learned from that, yeah? Yeah, and just... Um, Even though you were resisting it all the way. Yeah, I think just also um, that things weren't going to change for me and that they shouldn't, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that... And things certainly weren't going to change for them because it hadn't and hasn't. Yeah, and I think it just, yeah, the things that I valued, um, they didn't value in a lot of ways. Like mm. the way... Such as? Oh, I feel like in that sense, um, with like productivity, I feel like I brought that over from Australia from working in fine dining and being like, you must be so organised and productive when you work. Because we need to make, you know, because you're on the clock, you need to make as much money for us as possible. But then you mm-hmm. go to this village in Crete and they just, they don't care. <laughs> They'll do things at their own time and yeah. and that's that's it. And I think I, I struggled with that and then I, I was kind of, by the end of my trip to Crete, I was like, why am I struggling against this? Mm. Well, just enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you, you look around. Um mm. There are so many, so many great recipes um, that are in here. Have you got any um, uh, any faves you'd like to speak of? Because I think one of my favourites that um, I was thinking about it on the way here. I have a, a recipe for um, Roman beans, like long flat beans that are cooked with trahana, which is a it's a wheat that's soaked in milk. So mm. they made this in Crete um, when I worked there. When there's excess milk production in spring they would soak wheat in milk to mm. preserve it for the rest of the year and then they add it to soups and um, oh, yeah. Yeah. and it has this really nutty and for me like it reminds me a lot of my childhood which is why I love it so much but um you can it's quite readily available in Melbourne um yeah I just think it's a really interesting ingredient so I think mm. I love that Yes, rest, yeah. we were also talking about, is that the same as the rusks you were talking about? Oh, yeah, Paximathia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed with them. They're, um, they're made from barley in Crete and mm. they're very, very nutty and hard and they get broken up into tomato salads yeah. um, and are softened by oil and it's just, yeah, just very, very, very delicious. Uh, there was a, 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 one, one, only one of you, there's so many that just uh, – sort of uh, leapt out of the pages for me. But braised leeks with orange was uh, mm. uh, an interesting take, which I hadn't seen before. Mm. That sounded great. Um, in Istanbul, we would get just crates of vegetables that were very seasonal and I'd have to make all of the meze for the day out of them. Um, and it would get to, yeah, it would get to kind of autumn, winter, and there would just be citrus and celeriac or leek. There wouldn't be that much mm. variety in the crates. And so leeks, leeks and orange, what was something that we cooked? And also leeks with celeriac where you were just braising, braising vegetables in juices of whatever. Yum. Yeah, really yum. And you just serve it with olive oil at room temperature. Um, <laughs> Yeah, in classic. And look at the Bosphorus River. Yeah. As it goes and, <laughs> and you hear someone from the minarets of the Hagia Sophia, my God. Uh, well, it was um, 
What a great way to document um, time away, but also a really, as well as being delicious recipes. Um, I've got to say, we uh, uh, admire this book and recommend it, but uh, just so much of just the understanding of the human condition was... Um, um, it's it's really quite enlightening what you went through. So the the writing is great, presentation fabulous, and uh, uh, the recipes you will be doing lots and lots of those. Where can we get the book? Um, you can buy it from my website at elamidas.com. Where's your website? Elamidas.com, or um, if you call your local bookshops, it will be coming into bookshops. And advocate. And advocate for me. <laughs> um, it will be coming into bookshops by next week. Hello, um, is that readings? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're getting any readings in Galton? <laughs> uh-huh. Because that should do well there. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Books for Cooks will probably... Uh, yeah, definitely. You'll, you'll, you'll get a few copies of them. Yeah. Uh, Matt, are we over time? Yes. I can see. I can tell you. I can tell by I'm the way you fiddling, fiddling with my faders over I, here. I have you fidgeting in my peripheral vision, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, just to give you a picture of that. And, uh, oh, and also thank you again, Ella, for the, uh, the picture and also the... Uh, oral splendor of getting listened to uh, Brian Eno. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I that. love that song. Ella, thank you. Lovely to meet you. Congratulations. Thanks so much for having me in. Thanks so much. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website, rrr.org.au. <laughs> So now it's time for Duncan Buchanan's Wonderful World of Wine. Hey. Oh, you're killing the clavinet. Uh, well, oh, well, we, we haven't got to... much time, have yeah, we? So right. that's why we're doing it. Duncan Buchanan, hello. Cam, Cam Smith, Matthew Stedman, you <laughs> wonderful listeners and hopefully subscribers at Still Radiothon. Yes, we've been, kids? we've been getting some love. Which is, oh, I hear the kids. Yes. <laughs> You've been feeding yes. them the red cordial. No, that's... Uh, Goldie's Shiraz. Just found, you know, Goldie's just found a snail in the garden that's freaked her out. Oh, good. Good. That's why I'm walking away. I have no children duties while I'm on the radio. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? You can just delegate and just point. Oh, yeah. Can you yeah, just exactly. point and go... I don't know. I don't know how he got up on the roof. You can get him down. Um, so there is uh, this time where the uh, the optimists in us uh, come out. The glass half full of uh, beautiful Riesling, um, where we say it's bud burst. And it's spring. I mean, it's gorgeous. This it is it's, a beautiful time of year. I it's mean, a time yeah. of possibility, my friend. Exactly. Endless. I'm sitting under the fig tree in my backyard. It's that's starting to ooh, sprout. Oh, you know, uh, you black know, or and, green? Black or green? Uh green. And ooh. I've got a black one as well. And I've got a brown turkey as well. I've got two fig trees, man. I'm one of them. I'm, ooh, I'm you, one of the two, wow. two you, fig tree kind you're of guy. Bye. 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 But it is anyway. It is, a, it is a lovely time of year. There's just you know, yes. everywhere you look, there's flowers. Yes. Hello to all the um. Hello to all the uh, hay fever sufferers out there. Yes. And, and um, there's sorry, guys, you're not leaving me alone. There's snails, but there's um, but there's yeah, there's flowers everywhere. Yeah. People are getting hay fever. People yeah. are getting swooped by magpies, which is a fair bit of fun too. Oh, but yeah. the, but uh, it's also uh, it's also um, 
a I don't know. It's a good setup for the the winter that we've had. Has been a really good setup for the growing season. Mm. Um, in in fact, it's the, been uh, mild the, and wet. Yeah, mild. Well, it's been, it's, the thing has been wet. That's the thing. So the mm. soils are nice and full of moisture, and mm. it's, you know the the grapevines can sort of get out and start growing. But everyone, I don't know if you've heard, but we're going to have another year of La Nina. Oh, well, look at it. And I know that the people in uh, to the north of the, the Murray would be quaking in their boots. In fact, I think there's another flood event that is already happened over the weekend and and, yeah. and more to come. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and look, we've, we've, I guess we're quite fortunate over here in Victoria in that we haven't had major floodings, but... No, uh, um, if, uh, no, but it's could mind be far off. I mean, there's a, all, all the dams are full. Like all the major water storages that we have around the state are full. Even the Thompson. So that's the thing. Yeah, Thompson's really close. I think it's about eighty something percent. Yeah, Everything's wow. Tough. Yeah, we, we've got enough. Like they've they've knocked back an order from the D cell plant, which I find it strange, but it's anyway. But it's um, we're, we we're needed the, it at the time, buddy. We did. I we mean, did. we we were yeah, we, we were we staring down. There's no water nowhere, and we were we were yeah, all wondering true. whether it was ever going to rain again. Yeah, I, that's I that's very that's very uh, that's that is very true. Yes, but it is, the the thing is though we are things are set up well. We've got full as far as vineyards go. You know, the soils are nice and full of water, so they can bounce out, but mm-hmm. they can start growing and growing healthily because there's a lot of soil moisture there. But remember last year we had all that really violent weather during spring. Yes, really massive winds and rains and storms. It was a- Psychotic spring. Exactly. Yes. Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic and psychotic. <laughs> but, yes. but they are. But that 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 coincides with a, a uh, an event every that happens every year with the grapevines called flowering. And what that what happens then is oh, it was bad timing, your, wasn't it? Exactly. Your flower. Yeah. That's when your flowers set, and they become fruit, yeah. and that fruit becomes a grape. So if you have bad weather around then. The, I mean, you need that bit of pollen to land on the, the top of the flower or the top of the stamen, and then it becomes a flower. And if there's, if you got, if it's wet, wet, it'll wash that off so you don't get a grape. If it's windy, it might blow those off so you mm. don't get a grape. Mm. So you need that little bit of calm weather around that time mm. in order to get decent crops. And we've had, there's been three, 2021 and 22, uh, the vintages, vintage 2021 and 22. Mm. All three have been very low cropping, and look, the quality's because been great. No one's going to complain about exactly yeah. that really violent weather, and we can blame it all on La Nina because it can we can get fairly damp conditions around then. So she's, that, a, and, she's a windy child. Yeah, she's a, and, she's and a windy. She's, that that also boy. affects stone fruit too, doesn't it? That we've had oh. uh, that, that we had devastating sort of effects on stone fruit in regard exactly to that. Right. Yeah, and that, that people seem to think uh, – still, still sort of flabbergast me that some people tend to separate um, winemaking from agriculture. It's not. It is an agricultural pursuit. So if something's going to affect us – I think I said this last time yeah. last time I was on the show. If it affects, if, if it affects you know, if it affects the weather, it will affect agriculture. What sort stop. of so, – what nongers have you been talking to that say that? <laughs> I shan't name names. Do you slap them I, I, and just go <laughs> – Slap. I no, I slap my own forehead in horror. Oh, yeah, but, fair I, enough, I, and I, walk away. I, I, I give him a sound, and then I walk away. <laughs> but the um, the and I was chatting with a plumber one day, and he, he tried to tell me that what we he said. Someone tried to tell me what you do is agriculture. He goes, "It's not. It's winemaking." I said, "Look behind you, mate. mate. There's 50, 50 mate. acres of grapes out there. What's that? Block of flats? 
<laughs> and they're all outside, which would yeah. tend to make you think mm. it might be at the mercy of the weather. But anyway, so yeah. we're, we're just we're just holding on. We're just we really need to have a good, flat, a fairly calm spring mm. in order to get some decent flanks. People need crops, you know. People have got awesome. Last couple of years, people have made awesome wine. The quality has just been off tap. Yep. But there just there hasn't been enough to really turn a decent enough profit, and it sort of you know it's, it makes it tough. You know, they, you only get we only get one production run a year. Yes. You know, that's, which happens around March, April. Yes. So, you know, if you don't make much this year, you've got to wear the cost of that for the whole following year. But, you know, I'm just and, winging and like then, a now. But, yes, yeah. I know. But then you've got the other problem where is you, you do all that work to fill the tanks uh, mm. and or the barrels um, mm. for wood extraction to good stuff. But then you have to then talk people into – buying the stuff afterwards and um, we've had on, on a macroeconomic sort of aspect uh, the fact is that because A, the Chinese aren't buying um, yep. there is a bit of a wine lake and especially so for red wine which kind of um, surprised me in a way yeah, I was surprised <laughs> when I was interviewed that surprises me. The, um, the, and no, that that is very true. It's a it's a that's a big one. There, there's been a bit of you know on the you know political side of things. There seems to be a little bit of a softening in tensions trade wise between us and China. Nothing's really who's softening. Been, uh, uh, both of us. We're trying to really? rather than shout rather than shouting from us. Uh, sh- uh, oh, okay. Rather than us, yeah. we're, we're talking again, shall we? Because we so just got the, now, now we got rid of Dutton, who doesn't want to declare war on them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I haven't heard the t- haven't heard the term saber rattling for a couple of months, yes. which always makes me happy. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what good. a yeah. tool that man is. Anyway, anyway no, 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 no. moving on. <laughs> yeah. Agreed, uh, but you know, <laughs> maybe not so blunt this yeah. next time. Because, but there, there, so it looks like that you know that we're at least talking to one another. But those, um, those, it doesn't really happen. So it doesn't happen really quickly. The the wheel can well. I mean, they can turn the tap on fairly quickly, but you've got to then get your product out there. And it's you know when mm. you there. There are millions of litres of red wine floating around Australia, um, just sitting in tanks with nothing. To, I've, you know, I get bulk wine lists wow. all the time. People trying to on-sell their bulk wines, mm. and there, there are literally millions of litres of wine just sitting out there with with not a home. And it's um, it's tough. Oh, that's so sad. That, it's like adopt a puppy. <laughs> but that that wine is that, that adopt wine is a barrel. Where do I <laughs> sign? <laughs> I think we'll Australian I'll drink. I'll Australian give you a good home. Up. But the um those that the the tanks that that wine is sitting in, mm. you can't fill it twice. If that's still sitting there, you can't move it somewhere else. And oh, everyone will be right. picking grapes early next year. And why don't you get it if the tanks are still full? Like there's, you know, people are saying, oh, we can redirect that wine into other markets, but <laughs> you need time Tell in the markets. Yeah, you've got to be friends with them. And I think yeah. it's a good lesson in putting too many eggs in one basket. I mean, you sort of. Selling to the into the one market is good for the simplicity of it. You know, there's one destination you go to. You may only have a couple of people you need to deal with in that one area. But if all of a sudden that um, that market dries up, you're kind of screwed. You know, you don't really have um, if you don't have if you don't diversify. You know, you sort of if your one market decides to go, you're stuck with it, and you've got to try and 
head out and try and, you know, cultivate markets in other areas. And yeah, that's, yeah, I don't it's know, It's a long-term mate. game. It, I think with any, like with any business, it's, you know, it's a reputational thing and it's a relationship thing. So you need, you can't just build a relationship overnight. It takes a long time. No, paddleless uh, canoeists on seas of excrement come to mind. Matt's winding me up mercilessly. <laughs> he is. He's just, we've, got to, we've got to finish uh, off. Uh, he's turning into uh, a helicopter. Yeah, I know, uh, know, uh, know uh, we've got to go. As always, you give me 20 minutes worth of material and I get about 10 minutes to deliver. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Love, love, you, love you, love you, Duncan. Love, love you guys more. All right, we're going uh, to leave now. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.